Thank you, Lord. I just want to let Marilyn share just something she's shared with me. I think it really fits with where we're going this morning. And uh, God's speaking to us. His blood has broken the chain. Um, for some, some weeks now, um, there's a picture that just stays in my mind, won't leave, and God is talking to me about it. And he spoke to me here and he said, share this with the people. Um, in the Philippines, there was a dog. There's lots of dogs. But there were two dogs, and these dogs were chained day and night, day and night. Only once in, in the time we were there did I see that dog free. No one pats that dog. No one plays with that dog. That dog is chained and doesn't have water. I took it water. It didn't know what to do with it. So I don't know when it gets its water, <laughs> in the rain, I guess. But God spoke to me there, and he's speaking to me now, and he's saying it is for freedom I set my people free. And he is calling us, there are those of us here, apostles, teachers, prophets, um, you know, the, the ministries, the fivefold ministries, God is calling us and we are sitting here. We are here. God is calling us. It's for the equipping of the church. It's for the, for the maturity of the church. But the church can't mature if we as a people remain chained. And we are chained. We're chained to the opinion of others. We're chained to parental expectations. We're, we're chained to our, our busyness or our job or whatever. Yet in our hearts, we know that we know that we know God is calling us to something, something more. And, you know, Jesus set, set us free. The chains are broken. Amen. The chains are broken. But you take that dog off that leash, it'll stick, keep going back to that place. So we're, we're not of this world. We are spirit people. We are spirit. They who are the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And, you know, I got an understanding of what it is to, they that follow me need to hate their mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife, and follow me. And it's not to hate, hate, but it is to follow him despite the strong opinion and chains that will hold you and keep you from following him. And so I, I just give this out because, you know, I tried not to bring this word, actually. <laughs> and I said, God, you know, do you want me to bring this? He said, yes. And then the song started and, of course, it was yes. And so I give that to you. God wants you to step out. What is the chain? Drugs, alcoholism, what is it? Is it the past? Is it, you know, some sort of abuse? I don't know. But I'm telling you, age is no exemption from this. Age isn't. He's calling Amen. me and he's calling me until the day I die. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Marilyn. He's broken the chains. <laughs> Woo. We've been set free. Awesome. I just want to grab my Bible and uh, thanks, team. Um, thank you, Lord. How about you turn to the person beside you and give him a high five for Jesus because Jesus has broken the chains. He has set the captives free. I'm going to find all my bits and pieces down here. There we go. I hope I didn't break the key. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrew. I am the pastor here at the Christian Family Church. If I haven't met you before, it's great to meet you right now and to say hi. Um, God is amazing. He is good. He loves you. And I'm so glad that you could be with us here today. Um, I just want to read this morning from Colossians. 
And I've left my Bible down there still. <laughs> there we go. Colossians. If we've got our Bibles, let's grab out our Bibles. You know, the Bible is the Word of God, and we are changed by the Word of God. And I've just realised I have a dog on my Bible this morning. That's what happens when you have kids. Um, <laughs> that's just totally thrown me. <laughs> it's like, I think it's my Bible. Yes, it says Holy Bible. You know, the, the Word of God is the power of God. It, it, it changes us, it moulds us, it shapes us. The Bible is powerful and effective in our life. But do you know what? It doesn't matter if you've got one or two or three or four or 25 Bibles sitting on your shelf. It's as we open the Bible that it has power. It's not by just reading it and going, blah, 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 done, go. It changes our life. Sometimes God miraculously brings those thoughts back to us. But it's as we read the Bible, it's as we think about what it says, it's as we study and, and apply it to our life and, and discuss, it, discuss it with one another, I think I just turned into Daffy Duck, that, that it changes us and it touches our heart. And I, I pray that we never think, yep, I've got a Bible, that's all good. We need to daily be refreshed, to be reminded of what it says. And we're going to read some verses this morning that talk about that, and we're going to look at it more over the coming weeks. But let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, fantastic. You can open it up. If you haven't, I encourage you to bring it. It's so good to have your Bible, to, to let it be something that... You know, I've got, I've got some Bibles on my shelf that are sort of are, they're periods of my life. It's like that was a part of my life for that 10 years, that Bible. And that other Bible was a part of my life for the next five years, and... Till it fell apart and it just becomes something we know that it's it's it's, it's just good to be able to find things in the bible because you know your bible colossians chapter 1 and we're going to read from verse 19 it says for god in all his fullness was pleased to live in christ sorry i should can, can you just click those ones for me charlie or maybe i'll, I'll read off the screen then i can click there we go <laughs> For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, which is Christ, in him. And through him, that is Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that had been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone 
with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend. I love that phrase. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I just want to pray. God, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the power of your word in our life to renew our minds, to change us and to mold us and shape us for your glory. God, we thank you for Lord Paul and others who have written these amazing words, inspired, fully inspired by your spirit, that we could know you, that we could see what you are like, that we could see what we are like, that we could be transformed as we read and apply your word to our lives, Lord God. God, I just pray that you would help each one of us in the, the place that we are in in our lives, that we would apply these truths to our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask this morning, do you know what pleases God? Do you know what makes Him full of joy? Do you know what pleases Him? I think it's, I think it's seeing people live. It's seeing people have life. It's seeing His creation being the way He created them to be. It gives God great pleasure to see you living the life God called you to live. In Genesis, we read the story of creation and, and Adam and Eve were created and God looks over all that he's made and he says for the first time, this is very good. And then on the seventh day, it says he rested from his work. And I, I don't think God rested because he was so worn out he couldn't lift another finger. I, I don't think that's why he rested. I think he stopped his work, he stopped, he looked at creation and, and he, he just enjoyed what he had made. It was a, a day he, he's... he's set an example of, of stopping just to enjoy the good things that he has made. That's a good example for us to follow, but I believe what pleases God is for us to know the life, to live the life that God has called us to. And God's desire is to help you live the life that God has planned for you since the creation of the world. That's my, that burns in my heart as something that wakes me up in the morning. On those days when I don't feel like getting out of bed because it's too cold or I'm too tired or... I set the alarm too early to go for a bike ride. I, I, I want to help people know who God created them to be and that they can live that life that he's called them to. But sadly, across generations, across different periods of time, across church history, the message about Jesus has been twisted at times. The message about Jesus has become... In some circles, do this and do this and do this and don't do that and don't do that and don't do that and you'll get to heaven. The message of Jesus has been twisted at times to say, do these things, be like this and you will be saved. And sadly, because of the way the gospel's presented at times and, and throughout history, different periods that the church has been through, people's view of God has become twisted also. And people's view of God is that God is this angry boss in heaven with this expectation that we can never measure up to. There's some people that still have a view of God that is, is, is like a, a judgmental, criticizing, harsh God that has a standard that none of us can meet and he just wants us to keep jumping to try and reach it. But that is not what God is like. We just read from Colossians chapter 1 in verse 19. Paul says, God was pleased, for God was pleased to, 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 to come in human form. 
and to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. God was pleased to come, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. It gave him great pleasure, I believe, to be able to deal with sin once and for all. It it pleased God to do that for you. But now, sadly, some people hear that and, they, and they've, they've, they've let the pendulum swing from the other side. It's, it's been taken to the, the law side, but then it swings across the other side and people say, well, God is love. God is full of grace. He's, he's forgiving. He's kind. It doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you're a good person, God's kind. God's forgiving. He loves everyone. It doesn't really matter what you believe. And we, that's not the gospel. That is not the message of Jesus Christ. And sadly, people hear that and they think, well, God's this big fluffy God that has no, there's no expectation of righteousness or holiness. And there is no judgment for sin and it's a wrong gospel. He goes on and he says in verse 21, you were alienated from God and were enemies of God. You know, if we don't understand this first, we can't understand his grace. We can't understand God's, God's gracious forgiveness if we don't understand that we, we, we are sinners and that we were alienated and enemies of God. I remember doing a, a course and, and learning how to explain the gospel to people uh, called Two Ways to Live. And uh, has anyone heard of the course Two Ways to Live? There's about five or four of us. Um, it's a great presentation of how to explain the gospel to people. It talks about how as people, our, our natural sinful nature is to try and be our own king, to, to be our own boss, our own ruler. And while we are our own king, we are enemies of God. Because you cannot have two kings and obey them both. But the message of the gospel is that Jesus died for our sin. He, he made a way for us to come under the kingship of Jesus, that we could be forgiven and come under his rule and his reign and become his disciples, that we might live for his kingdom, no longer enemies to his kingdom, but a part of his kingdom. And he's a good king. He protects his people. He leads his people. He guides his people. He loves and provides for his people. But we need to understand that once we were aliens. We were enemies of God. But now He has reconciled us. He has made a way. He has done all that needs to be done through His death on the cross if we continue in our faith and do not move from the hope we have in Him. You know, we can choose to become enemies of God again. We can choose to ignore what Jesus has done for us and continue as enemies to God. And I've got to say, when, you're, when two armies from two different kingdoms come against each other, I want to be on God's side. Because I think God, it's not good to be standing against God. There is a judgment awaiting for all of those who, who refuse to acknowledge His rule and His reign. That He is the creator of all things. But he has made a way for us to be set free, that we can have eternal life. Maybe you've been living a life that you've totally ignored God and done your own thing for your whole life. But today you can say, God, I'm sorry. And you can enter into his family, his kingdom. You can be forgiven and know that you are set free from your old life. And you are no longer his enemy if you cry out to him. You know, we live in a, a culture that 
says it's okay to believe what you believe. What you believe is, is fantastic. You know, faith is personal and believe whatever you want to believe. Um, your beliefs probably, it, it's good for you. Has anyone ever heard that? That's great for you to have that faith. It's like someone that you know just totally opposes what you believe, but they say that's great for you, that gives you hope, that's nice. That's the world we live in. It's, say, it's okay to believe whatever you believe as long as what you believe doesn't affect me. As long as you be- what you believe, you don't go trying to do everything that you actually believe in because that'll start making things a little difficult between us. I think the, the world loves it when Christians love and, and show grace and forgiveness and, and, and bless people, but they don't like it when we start to say that the reason is Jesus and that Jesus is the real answer. People are so suspicious of authority and people would, would sort of say, well, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but don't go just listening to the Bible and doing what it says. Like, that's crazy. It's like it, obedience is seen as something evil and rebellion is seen as something good. Rebellion is celebrated in our culture. And how, how dark it is, like the Bible talks about, when, when, when evil is celebrated as good and good is celebrated as evil, we are in a dark place. We need to be so careful the way those things influence us as believers in Christ. How do those things influence us? Jesus has called us not just to believe. He hasn't called us to just believe in Him. It says even the demons believe that He exists. Jesus calls us to have faith, to trust Him, to put our our trust in Him through our life. And it's not a static thing. It's not just a theoretical thing. It's something we are called to do. Jesus called us to come follow Him. His call to His disciples was, come, follow me. There's a change of behavior, there's a change of thinking, and there's a change of actions that follow that change of thinking. He hasn't called us to just believe in Jesus. He says, come, be my disciple, learn to live like I live. Come, learn to do what I do. Jesus said, greater things than these you will do. Those who come in my name, you're going to do greater things than, than I did. You're going to learn to be like Jesus. You're going to learn to do the things that Jesus did, to show grace, forgiveness and, and generosity, even to those who would persecute you. Paul says in verse 24, Now I rejoice in, suffer- in what I am suffering for you, because my life is about making him known. As you read the letters of Paul, you read through and you hear about the, the, the whippings, the beatings, the, 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 the torment Paul goes through in his lifetime. And you see, yet he, he has this joy because he knows his life is about becoming more like Christ. It's about telling people about the hope that is in Jesus. It's not in our comfort. It's in knowing that Jesus is our Savior, that we can have life through what he has done for us. And he says, now I rejoice in my suffering because my life is about making him known. I'm doing what he's called me to do. I'm living the life he created me for. And it is good, he says. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Even though I go through these things. You know, some of my, I think about my favorite movies. And I think some of my favorite movies are stories about uh, the young, energetic Sometimes one with a bit of a chip on their shoulder and they have all this enthusiasm for life but no wisdom and they, they meet this, this old and wiser, often slightly twisted and bitter mentor. And when you get this 
young, arrogant, prideful guy with all this energy and this old, wise, slightly discouraged person and they, and, and they, they have a few headbutts along the way but they get to know each other and they, they, they start to be vulnerable with one another. They share the hurts and the pains and, the, and they begin to minister to each other and, and, and as the two of them begin to work together, something beautiful happens and, and these two people that were both in a bad place begin to work together and there's amazing successes they have overcome. There's amazing things happen. Think of the Antoine Fisher story and, and Rudy and, and all these movies that are about this. I, I just love seeing people in these movies. They, 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 they come together and together they achieve what they could never have done on their own. You know, we're not meant to do this life on our own. I think that the reason that resonates with me when I watch those movies is because like, this is good, this is how it's meant to be. We're not meant to just strive and try and do it on our own. We're meant to do life in relationship. God wants to guide us into relationship. It's interesting as you read the Bible, you, you read on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people repent, believe and are baptised. And, and what does it say happens next? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to sharing everything they have with one another. They, 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 they see Jesus. They go, wow, God loves us. Jesus died for us. And suddenly as they look to Jesus, they're brought together. There's a love for one another and they come into relationship through the cross. You look at Jesus on the cross, even as he's being crucified, he's hanging there. He looks down and sees his mum, Mary, and it doesn't actually say the name of the disciple, but it's the disciple that Jesus loved, who he wrote himself, um, John. And he looks at John and he says, Mary, here is your son. John, here is your mother. Even as he's being crucified, he's trying to bring relationship between people. It's God's heart. You read through the, the, the letters and, and Paul and his love for Timothy and the way Paul and Silas and, and Barnabas and these ones come together because of Christ and the relationship he brings, that's God's plan for his church. I wonder if you've ever had a decision to make and you've just felt totally alone. God's desire is that we would first of all come to him and say, God, show me what to do. God, Thank you for leading me, for guiding me, for giving me wisdom in this decision. But also to come to one another. The Bible's full of, of, of reminders that there is much wisdom in godly counsel in, in, in seeking people to pray for us and help us through those decisions that we have to make. God wants us to come to Him and sit at His feet and just let Him teach us and counsel us. But also Galatians 6 talks about how we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to carry our own burden, but we are to bear the burden of others. In other words, let's be responsible for our own decisions. Let's, let's be responsible and say, okay, I'm going to do what I can to make wise decisions, but I'm going to do what I can to help others with their decisions also. Imagine if we all did that all the time, what a world this would be. And it's because of that plan that God has that I've decided to title this series that we're beginning this morning, Something a little different to what I first intended to, but I think it hopefully will stick in your mind and remind you of God's plan for this theme that we're exploring over the next 11 weeks. And the name of this series is The Village, because it takes a village to make disciples. We are that village. We are the body of Christ. I, was, I could have called it the body of Christ, but you just go, oh, that's really familiar. The village. We are the village. 
that God has called to work together to make disciples. That together we make disciples. I think about my life and it wasn't one moment that I became a disciple. It's a process of things that happen in our life that, that grow us as disciples. There's circumstances in my life, um, I hadn't planned to say this, but I'm just thinking, for me, in my life, I grew up in church and I had kids' church teachers that gave me verses and things that at the time I did not understand, my eyes were closed to the gospel, but later on in life, those verses that I found lying in that, you know that box in your bedroom as a kid that has all that stuff thrown in it? And one day I was going through it and I found this verse and it was a time in my life when I just needed that verse. And I think of an RE teacher I had who came to our school and just loved Jesus so much, the light of God just shone out of him. And I think of a, a, an 18-year-old guy who went off to Bible college and who probably never had any idea that he had any impact in my life ever. But I saw him wanting to do ministry and I thought, why can't I do ministry as a 12, 13-year-old? I think of people in this church that picked me up for church and, and, and brought me into the, the, the music team and picked me up for band practices and, and encouraged me and invited me over for fish and chips after church or so many people that are a part of making disciples. There's people that met up with me to read the Bible and we, we read the Bible together, but there's so many people that are a part of making a disciple. And it's the village that makes disciples. It takes time to make disciples. It doesn't happen in a four-week program. It's a process to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith through grace. But we become disciples. We become disciples as we work that out. We can't become who God created us to be, who God calls us to be on our own. You cannot do what God calls us to do if you go and live on a deserted island by yourself. I used to think that would be a great idea sometimes. But it turns out I can't. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 28, Paul says, He is the one we proclaim, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He is the one we proclaim, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Sadly, the, the gospel is so often presented as believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Or it's presented as God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Or it's invite Jesus into your heart and you'll be saved. And they're all great things to do. There's great truths within that, that God loves you, that, that he wants you to invite him into your life. But the gospel is so much greater, is so much fuller as we explore what the gospel truly is. And any of those things without the other things is not the full gospel. And we want to grow to present everyone, to, to, for all of us to grow to full maturity in Christ. That's God's plan and our desire. Jesus' command to his disciples before he left this earth, he said, Jesus came and told his disciples, it says in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is God's command for every disciple of Jesus Christ. We are called to be disciples who make disciples. I want to read a, a passage from Hebrews chapter 5. But before I, I read it, I want to explain who it was written to. 
And we don't exactly know for sure who it was written by. It could have been Paul, could have been Barnabas, could have been Apollos. There's different opinions on that. But it was written to Jewish Christians. And possibly even it was written to some of the priests who'd been converted and they had come to know Jesus as their saviour. But they're being tempted to go back to Judaism. They're being tempted to go back to those old ways of doing things. It says in the beginning of Hebrews, it says, Listen very carefully to the truth you have heard, or we may drift away from it. That, that, that rings out as the, the, the core theme of Hebrews. Listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. But the writer, whoever it was, says this to these priests who've become Christians, but are now wavering and, and being unsure and a bit shaky. He says this in Hebrews chapter 5. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Not different understanding, but further, deeper, greater, fuller understanding about Christ. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who are once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. I, if I was Paul, I wouldn't write that. That's just too harsh, it sounds. But it's God's word to us. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him or how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that you that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. I wonder where we sit in that picture of things. This morning, I want to say, I don't want to just say, I want to apologise for, for myself, for, for any time that this church or any church that you've been a part of has, has done things in your life that has stopped you walking into the fullness of the life God's called you to. 
where you have stepped back from stepping into ministry in the way that God's called you to as a disciple of Jesus Christ. God has called every disciple of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples. And I, I, I'm, as I look at this world of the church and parts of this church in particular, not this church, the church, it grieves me as I see churches that, that think all the ministry is going to happen through certain people. I, I thank God for this church that it is a heart that you have a heart to minister to one another, to minister to others. But I think God still wants all of us to move more fully into that life that God has for you and I. I believe we can all grow in these things, and I want to say sorry for the times that I have. In my, we we all have weaknesses, don't we? Has <laughs> anyone ever loved to feel like Superman? Like, which, what kid doesn't try and get, want to dress up as a superhero? What kid doesn't want to try and be someone special? And there's times when I've done things probably beyond what God has called me to do, that by me trying to do more than what God has called me to do, I've, I've stolen that ministry from someone else. And I want to say sorry for those times when I've, when I've done that. I mean that, and you can tell I'm struggling right now. I want to read another passage that actually Mike's already read it. We've kind of heard my message through Marilyn and Mike already this morning. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts God, uh, Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What a beautiful picture we have right there. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Each part has a different function, a different way of expressing those things that God has called us to, but we are all disciples who are called to make disciples. And my heart, my desire is that we can do everything we can as a church to equip every person in this body to be the function, to, to be that, that ministry gift to the church. Amen. It's exciting. I'm excited about this next 10 weeks. I want to ask you this morning, as we talk about being the village, the village that makes disciples, are you ready? Are you ready? And I don't want to just ask this and not find out what you think. So we've actually made a little survey this morning. So can I just grab one, two, three, four, maybe volunteers? Oh, actually, they're not volunteers because I picked them. That's, <laughs> did you notice that? Can you guys just hand them out really quickly? And hopefully you've all brought a pen so you can take notes this morning, of course. And maybe or you're using your phone, aren't you? That's all right. I just want to give you three minutes or so to, it's just a quick tick box how do you feel you've been discipled? Do you know 
this hope that you have? Do you feel ready to explain this hope to other people? Sorry, I've got the actual questions in front of me. I could read them. Question one, you might skip past question one and come back to it even. It says, if you can, write down some of the significant parts of your discipleship process or journey below. It might be events, meeting with a person, doing a course, going to church or other things. Or if you're thinking, I don't even know if I'm a disciple, I don't get this. Just put like a question mark. This is anonymous, you don't have to put your name on it. The second question, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being a perfect score, how well do you feel you have been discipled? Number one, I don't know Jesus. Or number 10, very well. So I'll stop talking so you can think. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll just move on as we, the last few people, or maybe those that are finishing still are finishing. But I don't want to ask that question this morning, that are you ready to make disciples and just move on and, and not let you think about it? Because... My desire and my hope is that every single one of us over this next 10 weeks will become more confident and ready to be a disciple who makes disciples. Over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be giving every person a copy of this book by Barry Chant called Firm in the Faith. We've got over 100 copies of this printed up. Thanks, Molly. Um, sitting in the office waiting to give out next week. But I don't want to just give this out and let it be a waste of paper and ink. Over this week, I want you to think and pray about, God, who can I go through this with? Now, this isn't the answer to the world, this book. This isn't like the magic follow-up book. This isn't the magic discipleship book. This is a tool that we want to put in your hands to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. And if you go, and I've read through it by myself, just reading through it, looking at the verses, and I've been encouraged. It stirred me, but I want to encourage you to, to think of someone that you can meet up with. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's some, I think some life groups are planning to use this as a part of their life group. Um, but who can you meet with to do this? Maybe there's someone that you feel like you need some discipleship, some mentoring to help you understand as you read God's Word. Maybe you feel like you've got it pretty well. I want you to think about who can you invite to say, hey, do you want to meet up and go through that study together? And let's together grow to know the hope that we have in Jesus so that we can confidently, joyfully share this hope we have with those who come to this church. You know, the thing that inspired this series, well, it was a combination of things, but it was one of them was I was at a conference and the speaker was talking about, are we actually, when we pray, are we believing for answers? When we pray, God, bring people to our church. God, help people to come. Do we believe they're going to come? I've got to say, over the last two years, we've had a lot of new people come into this church. Earlier this year, we had 30 new people in this service on one Sunday. I don't know if you realize or not. We had 30 new people on one Sunday. Imagine if we continued that trend every day of the year, or every Sunday. 50 times 30, that's 150 new people that need follow-up and discipleship. We need a team. We need an army. We need the body to be ready to be disciples who make disciples. And I want to, again, apologize. This must be my confession time. I apologize. We haven't always done the best job of discipling people. We haven't done the best job of following you up. But can you help us change? Can you help us grow? Can you be a part of what God wants to do here at CFC? Can you be a part of that answer to be a generation that raise disciples who make disciples? I'm excited about 
God shifting our focus as a church. I think this will actually change the way we do ministry here at this church. And I'm excited. I want you to pray. I want you to think. We're going to stand and we're going to thank God for what He's done in our life. Because it all is because of Jesus. He is the one that our hope is in. He is the one that gives us eternal life. And He is the one that we proclaim. Can we stand this morning? If you're still finishing off that survey, feel free to keep doing that. But I want to finish this morning not by saying it's, it's not about just doing, 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 doing. Don't, don't feel like you're going to be, don't feel guilty if you're not doing anything in particular. But let's seek God. Let's look to Him. And as we look to Him, let's believe that God's going to bring us together, more and more united, more and more aligned with Him, and that we can be the church that He desires on this earth today.